Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. There's no better place to be than in the house of God with the people of God, for God's word is clear that whenever men and women, brothers and sisters, dwell together in the house of the Lord with unity, Psalm says that that is the place. Come on, places are important before the Lord. It says that's the place of my commanded blessing. And I am thankful for the commanded blessing that flows in this house. If you're grateful to be a part of this church, can you give God praise this morning? So good. So good. Just remain standing on your feet this morning. This worship team just kind of continues to play there. I want to go straight to the scriptures in just a moment. But I am, uh, it's, it's amazing because <clears throat> whenever we arrived finally here from the States, it's a bit of a journey getting here. But whenever we arrived on Friday morning, I think around 11 or so, um, and then went straight into the afternoon session to preach, um, we came here and uh, we were expecting to, to kind of meet some new friends, but I think for myself and uh, one of the pastors at our church and one of the leaders in our church who's traveling with me, y'all have a Pastor James, we have a Pastor James as well. Y'all give it up for James Neal traveling with me all the way from the United States. <clears throat> he helps to oversee several different areas of our church. Him and his wife are worship leaders and but he also is overseeing our discipleship and our local and global missions efforts. Um, I think we came here expecting to find friends and I think we found family coming to Manila, Philippines. What God's doing, what God's doing in your church, what God's doing to the people here, um, it can't be overstated. We can't say it enough that this is such a significant move of God. And we're experiencing our own move of God in our church in Colorado Springs, but it's a reminder and it has stirred my heart and my spirit to believe God for even greater. I'll tell a little bit of the story for those of you who maybe weren't at conference, but you will be at conference next year. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> in person, hello. God's doing a significant move back in our city and through our church, but coming here and seeing where you are after about six or so years of faithfully preaching the gospel and giving sacrificially and serving. Pastor James said it earlier, but I want to echo it for every single person who volunteered behind the scenes for conference, our kids ministry workers. Can we just honor them one more time? Because it's a big deal. AV tech and lighting and greeters. It takes all hands on deck to facilitate the move of God and every single role is important and every single role really gets the same blessing and the same reward from heaven you need to know that and so we are so honored by your service but coming here there's an impartation i believe of faith and vision a lot of places i get to travel and i pour out and it's amazing but it's so awesome to be in a house where I feel like I'm receiving just as much as I am pouring into your church and in your city and that doesn't happen everywhere that's not normal unfortunately but it's because of the intercession and the prayers that are labored in prayer and in the spirit of this house so thank you so much I want to go straight to the scriptures this morning because there is a word from the Lord Ecclesiastes 
chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to read a familiar passage of scripture to some in the room. And then I'll, I'll share a few thoughts about this passage. And what I feel like God is saying to you today in light of this passage, we'll pray. We'll see what ha- the Holy Spirit has it on his agenda to speak to impart, to encourage. I want you, those of you who are at conference, or maybe if even if you were not, I want you to turn your expectation up, and I want you to turn your expectation on right now in the name of Jesus. God has something for you. God loves you. God sees you. God knows you. God knows exactly where you are. And so if you are a participant, and if you partner with what the Spirit of God is wanting to do, I believe that you can leave here this day changed by the word of the Lord, changed by moments in the manifest presence of God. Can I get a good amen this morning? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says this, for everything there is a season. Everybody say a season. Seasons are important. Seasons matter. I said this at conference yesterday, I believe the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. But the right thing at the right time becomes this supernatural, catalytic thing that happens. Seasons matter. The season of life that you are in. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament talks about a group of people. They were known as the sons of Issachar. Their anointing, the unique thing about their lives is that they could discern the seasons of what God was doing. They were able to look and see and say, oh, this is what God's doing. Let me adjust my life accordingly. Let me bend my schedule around what God is doing. Let me alter everything that I'm doing to get in the flow of what God is doing. Seasons matter. So the Word of God says everything. There is a season. We are in our own unique individual seasons, but then as a church you are in a season. Both matter. Does that make sense? Both matter. And so for everything there is a season, there is a time for every matter under heaven verse 2 says this there's a time to be born and then there's a time to die there's a time to plant and then a time to pluck up what is planted there's a time to kill and a time to heal there's a time to break down and then a time to build up there's a time to weep there's a time to laugh there's a time to mourn and a time to dance there's a time to cast away stones and there's a time to gather stones together There's a time to embrace, but then there's a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to seek, and then there's a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. There's a time to tear, and there's a time to sow. There's a time to keep silence, and then there's a time to speak. There's a time to love, there's a time to hate. There's a time for war, there's a time for peace. Skipping down, verse 9 says this, What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Come on, let's give God praise for his word today. Heavenly Father, we avail ourselves before you. 
We say that it is the Word of God that has the capacity to transform our lives together. We thank you that under the unction, under the anointing of the declared Word of God, the preached Word of God, that spirits are going to be blessed today, that destiny is going to be realized today, that healing is going to flow today, that vision is going to flow today, that courage is going to be imparted today, that wisdom is going to fall from heaven into our spirits today because your word says, and all of your getting, get an understanding. Seek for the wisdom of God. And so we say, word of God, speak to us this morning. We want to hear from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And if you agree with that, would you just shout amen and give God a hand of praise. You may be seated in the presence of God and in the presence of the saints, the people of God. I'm so honored to be here uh, with you all this morning. Um, I am blown away by what Jesus is doing uh, for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom through your pastors, through the entire team, through the volunteers here in Manila. I am so excited about the future of what God has in store for your nation because I feel the seeds of revival. I sense the move of God that is coming. There's a move of God that's happening, but of course there is greater that is coming. Amen? Amen. So I bring you greetings for those of you I hadn't had the opportunity to meet yet, maybe through conference, all the way from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, my wife and I, Octavia, have four amazing children. The youngest of our children was just born uh, 10 weeks ago. I was FaceTiming with the kids, uh, FaceTiming with the kids this morning. So we have uh, ages nine and then six and then a two-year-old and then a 10-week-old, and now we're done. Uh, we are done, done. Uh, at this point, it's becoming a daycare. And so it is... Uh, I'm so thankful for my family, for my wife. Uh, my wife and I are in youth ministry together for about 12 years, and then several years ago, we started this journey of answering the call of God to plant a life-giving, spirit-filled, presence-driven, multi-ethnic, multicultural church in Colorado Springs. So we planted a church along with about 174 other people that we have recruited over time and trained over a period of about eight months or so. Pastor James and his wife moved from across the country to be a part of that. They got jobs and served in our church, and now he's on staff, and they're a part of serving in various capacities. Um, but in September of 2020, we were able to launch a church called Zeal Church. The name came from a scripture in Psalm 69 and 9 that Jesus repeats back in the New Testament, zeal for the house of God consumes me. And truly zeal for God's presence, zeal for God's house has consumed us. And so over the last year and nine months or so, we've seen literally hundreds and hundreds of people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have around 1,400 people that are meeting every weekend in person, three services maxed out. And then in December, January or so, we went on this journey. And uh, just last month, or in the month of May, we were able to close on a permanent building, 100,000 square feet. 
that we're moving into to the glory of God will be in that building on will be in that building on next year. A few of you need to get a little bit more excited about that because what you celebrate in someone else's ministry, what you celebrate on someone else's life, God has been authorized. And he makes decisions to bring that to pass. And I just believe that there is a building that is coming to your house. There's a miracle building. There's miraculous provision that's going to come from the hand of God. We're praying into it. We're giving into it. And I am so excited. I cannot wait to hear and to see the report. And so as we have been on this journey as lead pastors and pastoring through some very tumultuous times and some challenging times, both in my country and then where we are globally as the body of Christ, I think now more than ever, it's important to understand that seasons matter. Everybody say seasons matter. Seasons you got to talk extra loud because you have masks on, so I can't hear you. Say, seasons matter. Seasons matter. And so I want to unpack some truths from the book of Ecclesiastes this morning. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes is a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon is known, and his sort of claim to flame, fame is to be uh, the wisest man outside of Jesus to have ever walked the face of the earth. And so Solomon being gifted this supernatural endowment from God, uh, this gift of wisdom, he wrote the book of Proverbs, and then he also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And in this particular role that Solomon is writing, the book of Ecclesiastes, he's known as a particular Hebrew title uh, by, some, by this name of Koheleth. And so a Koheleth in Hebrew culture would be the equivalent of a preacher today. The Koheleth would gather people together. The Koheleth would stand in a position and say, hey, I need everybody's attention. Everybody in the surrounding area come and circle up and gather around because I have something important to say to you. And this level of importance is supernaturally relevant because I am here to unpack some truths about the nature and the character of the uncreated. God. So the coalesce would stand in a place and say, gather around and open up your ears and give ear unto what I am saying about the uncreated God, the coalesce. And so in Ecclesiastes, Solomon begins to unpack some aspects of who God is. So he starts off by alluding to this all-important nature and characteristic of God, that God is a creator. In chapter 5, he says this, so I will let my words be few because I am in the presence of the uncreated God, the one who spoke and said, let there be. The one who, whenever he speaks, everything in the universe must come into alignment. God is not a man that he should lie because he cannot lie. The minute it comes out of his mouth, everything in nature down to the molecular level must begin to align and come in agreement because that is the power and the authority of, of who he is as God as creator. Can I get a good amen this morning? Y'all going to help me preach this morning or no? Okay, good. So he says, God is a creator, but, 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 but God isn't just a, he's not just a creator, though that is wonderful. He, he moves into expressing this other aspect of God, that God is sovereign. Somebody say sovereign. 
Now, this is slightly tense for some of us because the sovereign nature of God puts God in a position where he does not need to consult you nor I with his dealings in the earth. He's just that bad. So whenever God wants to search for wisdom and counsel, he does not look without, he looks within. He reaches into the depths of his own wisdom, consults with himself, and then comes up with the best solution possible. He is God, and he is God all by himself. Now, his sovereignty can be a little bit tense for us because we then go to our, the natural sort of progression of questioning is, if God can, then why won't God? And we insert whatever in the blank. If God can, why didn't God? Why won't God? Why hasn't God? Why did God allow X, Y, and Z to happen? He is sovereign. Well, but we must understand this, that a holy and a loving God will permit some things that he did not perpetuate. And this is challenging for us but then he, he moves from creator, and then he also expresses attributes of God's sovereignty, and then he gets into this expression of who God is, that God is unsearchable in his wisdom. God possesses unsearchable wisdom. Now, perhaps this is the most offensive to our elitist philosophy, because we really like to think that we are in control, and we always think we're a little bit smarter than what we actually are. And so, so Solomon, in all of his intellectual genius, and Solomon with all of his wonderful wealth, because he was one of the wealthiest men to have ever lived in history, Solomon with all of his wonderful wealth, his intellectual genius, his prized possessions, his timeless titles, his awesome accolades, and in his incredible accomplishments, he now becomes our Kohaleth. And he says, I have some things that I need to impart to you. There are some things that I need to reveal to you about the majestic nature of who God is. Is anybody interested in knowing God a little bit better this morning? So he writes Ecclesiastes chapter three specifically. And if you're taking notes this morning, which if you are wise, you'll want to jot down at least a few things. Uh, I, I want to share with you a message I've simply entitled, uh, Life with Limits. Life with Limits. Everybody say, Life with Limits. No, I understand we all want to live a limitless life. We want a no holes bar. We've got, but please understand this, that there are limitations that God has. Boundaries are good for us. There's wisdom in boundaries. There are, we are not God. We are sons and daughters of God. And listen, theology matters. So some, you know, you can just get into some strange things on YouTube or iPod. Well, we're just, you know, ascending to a place of becoming God. The devil is a liar. He is God and we are man. Stay in your lane, boo-boo. All right. Okay. So, so here's the idea. Here's the idea. Life with limits. So verse one, Verse one, Solomon starts off and he says this, for, for everything there is a season and there's a time for every matter under heaven. So the Koheleth, Solomon, deals extensively with the concept of time. He references time on over 30 occasions in just 
10 verses. So we would probably do well to think and assume that time has everything to do with this passage of scripture. And there's something about time that God, that Solomon is using and God ultimately is using through the inspiration and the writing of the, of the verses that Solomon is pinning to reveal something about his nature and his character. There's something that time reveals about God that nothing else can reveal and help us understand. Y'all with me this morning? Come on, we're going to go a little bit deep here. So it would seem, it would seem that, that, that Solomon, the Kohaleth, it's important to understand this, that our Kohaleth, our preacher Solomon, he is not admonishing or exhorting us to engage in the various activities at certain times in our lives, but rather he's making observations. So a wrong interpretation of this passage of scripture would be, you pissed me off, it's time for me to kill you. Because the Bible says there's a time to kill. You see what I'm saying? Or you, no, no, no. So Solomon, these are not admonishments. These are observations. So he's saying, as, I've look, as I take sort of, I, I consider my whole life, and as I look at the affairs and the dealings of humanity, I am observing something that is somewhat of a cyclical pattern that there is a season for, that everything carries a season. And none of us are immune to some seasons that are going to occur in our lives. Now, I'm trying to help set some of you free from condemnation and set some of you free from God. What did I do to deserve this? And I'm just telling you that some of us, it is an appointed season that you're walking in. But the good thing about a season is that the season must change. So if it's a challenging season, you've got to stand long enough for the season to change. You've got to outlast the season so the season doesn't outlast you. Everybody following? All right. So, so for everything, to everything, there is a season. There's a time for every matter under heaven. And so in his, in his dialogue here, as he is, or in his monologue here, as he is telling us about what he is observing, he, he, he seems to set, verses 2 through 8, he seems to set pleasurable and non-pleasurable things side by side. So he says this, and I believe it's very intentional. He says, um, there's, a, there's a time to be born. Yeah, you know, who doesn't love the smell and the experience of a brand newborn baby? We have one right now, so this is so fresh for me, 10 weeks. And, and so still, wherever we go, we were just in Mexico last week on family vacation. Everywhere we went, every plane ride, every car ride, it's all oh, men, women, young, old, male, female, across the board, because there's something about a newborn baby that just pulls on your heartstrings no matter who you are. There's a time to be born. Yay! And then he goes, and there's a time to die. <laughs> there's a there, there's a time there's a time to to gain yay bless god hallelujah come on but then he says and then there's a time to lose Ooh. there's a there's a time to kill Ooh. but then there's a time to heal yay and he goes back and forth and i think what he's trying to help us understand that there are going to happen, things are going to happen in this life that are completely out of your control. 
How many of us like to be in control? Come on, somebody. Yes, praise God. Put me in charge, you know. But things are going to happen in life that are completely out of your control, no matter what you feel like you can control it all. There are just going to be things that, that occur. And if you live life long enough, this will deeply resonate with you because you look at the, the, the you, you take stock and, and just kind of review your life. You can look back in different seasons where it's like, gosh, I was completely out of my control. So Solomon's trying to help us understand this. Um, the, 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 there was a, a moment, <clears throat> there was a moment Whenever we were pregnant, our first time we were pregnant, so our first child, um, this about 10 years ago now, and I remember thinking, I'm just like, man, it's going to be a little boy. Like, I just, I just feel it. Like, God spoke to me, like, it's going to be a boy, whatever. And so as a millennial, you know, we did like a big gender reveal party, and like, people are there, and so it's like, this, it's this whole situation, and I remember, actually, it was our second child. There's so many children. I get the stories mixed up. This was our this was our second child. So we had Ryan, our nine-year-old little girl, and then for our second child, it would be, it would be logical of for me at least, like God, like this is logical. I have one girl. We're, let me get have one boy, and then let's wrap this thing up, and we can move on with our lives, you know, because we're selfish individuals just by nature, and children just draw it all out of you. And so, um, is it just me? Okay, thank you, Lord. All the parents said, "Amen." Come on, somebody. Ungrateful little suckers, all right? And so you, uh, <laughs> it's like, do you know how much I do for you? All right, and so, so, so as we had our first child, so we're at the gender reveal for the second child, and I'm like, man, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy. There was all commercial, like we had a baby, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy. And so, so I bite into a cupcake, and inside of the cupcake will be blue for a boy and pink for a girl, which, by the way, we believe that, you know, God defines gender. That's another message. Um, and so that's, we, we just, we believe, like we believe the Bible, right? And so, and so, so, so we're like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out. So I go, like I bite into this muffin and like pink things start oozing out. And I'm like, God, we, we talked about this. Like, what you doing? What you doing? I was supposed to do my part, which is pray and fast. And you need to do your part, which is take all the little DNA and genetics and all of that and boop, you know, you tripping. And, um, and, and, and it was like, all right, we're having two little girls, like hashtag girl dad. And so, so for those years of travel ministry, even to this day, I mean, we play Barbies on FaceTime whenever I travel and there's this whole, it's on my Instagram story, like the doll chronicles. And so I like have a little Barbie doll and we're going back and forth. And so I'm a girl dad and uh, it was unexpected. But what happens whenever your expectation, you have one expectation and it's a little more serious, like somebody goes and dies on you who wasn't supposed to die or a relationship goes south that you thought for sure would remain intact, or, a, or a, a, an opportunity, a business opportunity, or some academic achievement that you thought for sure would have occurred by now, you would have gained it by now, or some financial situation where it's like, I was expecting one thing, and I got something totally different. What happens then? 
So, so Solomon, I believe, is dealing with this. But really what, what, what he's telling you is, you know, there are going to be there are going to be some things in your life that occur that are completely outside of your control. And it matters how you respond. It matters how you respond. Verse 11 says this. He has made everything beautiful. Everybody say beautiful. In its time, also, he has put eternity into their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to the end. We must allow God's word to speak for itself. He is the God who will make everything beautiful in its time, which tells me this. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. So don't you give up on God just yet. Don't you quit too early. We could be right at the end of the final minutes of the countdown. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. This isn't just sort of positive self-talk sort of secular humanistic approach to living a better life. This is the word of God. And I just believe that every promise that God has given us in his word is relevant for my life today. Can I get a good amen? It's not good yet. God's not done yet because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts, the Bible says, are more lofty than our thoughts. See, deep within each and every last one of us, there's this desire. We just want to understand and grasp and fully know everything. But the Bible says that he has put eternity or forever in the heart of man, not even the mind of man, because where your mind stops, your heart can fully reach just a little bit further. He's put eternity in your in your hearts. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Life is unpredictable at best. This is a call from the word of God for every single one of us to trust the unsearchable wisdom of God, to trust in the unsearchable wisdom of God. There's a man in the Old Testament. His name is Job. This is the oldest recorded known book of the Bible that we have. Job specifically chapters 38, 39, and 40, where Job is having this dialogue with God. If you don't know this story, maybe you're brand new. Maybe you've never heard the story of Job before, but you talk about a bad day. Job had lost literally everything. I know we realize that we've lost everything. You haven't. Your breath, your health, you're probably still here. You were able to walk into this. Job lost everything. His family, his finances, his friends, his relationships, they had all gone south. And so Job is now sitting having a conversation with God. And Job begins to ask God a series of questions and taking his finger and pointing it at God. And God allows Job to carry on for a little bit of time. And then I love this in the the word of God. The Bible says that Job says this, Job, or God says this, Job, brace yourself like a man. I've got some questions for you. And he says, were you there whenever I laid the foundations of the world? Who determined its measurements, Job? Was it you? He says, have you commanded the morning to rise since the beginning of time? Did you fill up the oceans and the seas? Where does light go 
whenever darkness steps in? And where does the darkness hide whenever the sun begins to rise? What is the way to light? Where is darkness? Did you shut the sea with your doors? It's around 77 questions that God just continues to pepper Job with. And God's response in terms of him posing these questions, the only logical response for Job is no, and I don't know. I don't know. And the revelation there is God saying, yeah, I know. Because my ways are higher than your ways and my wisdom is unsearchable. Stay in your lane and I'll stay in my lane. We want to jump lanes. The idea, as, 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 as Job demanded a full explanation from God and what God really asks of Job is, I need you to trust in my wisdom and my character. I need you to trust me f- for real. So Job responds with humility and repentance. He apologizes for accusing God of injustice, and he acknowledges that he's overstepped his boundaries. I wonder how many of us in different seasons of our lives, because we didn't understand what We didn't understand what season we were in where we begin to step into the lane of God. We have this colloquialism, there's a statement in the States where it's a little bit above our pay grade. And how many times do we try to reach into a realm that we're not authorized to walk in? And I get it because pain changes you, doesn't it? Hurt has a way of changing you. You will do things in a season of hurt or pain that you would not normally do in a season of health and wholeness. Can we be honest this morning? And, but if we'll respond, like, we'll respond like Job, we can get healed like Job got healed. If we can respond like Job, we can get restored and we can get redeemed like things, restoration and redemption begin to flow in Job's life and in Job's world. The idea is this, Ecclesiastes, as Solomon is writing to us, he says, I just need you to understand to everything there's a season. So I guess my question to you this morning is, what season are you in? And have you somehow been mocking God or been unnecessarily frustrated with God? See, whenever you don't understand the season you are in, you will deal with unnecessary frustration. Now, life has a way of bringing frustrations all, all, you know, just all on its own. We don't need to add to the frustration level by being ignorant as to what God is doing in the season of life that we are in. If we misjudge something because we have an inaccurate view of its season, we can miss the powerful blessing that God has for us. And I'm just saying for some of us in the room, you are in one season. Your family is in another. Your friends are in another. And you are living very frustrated. And you're living with this internal like, ah, angst because of what God seems to be doing in someone else's life without realizing it's just as significant what God is doing. You're just in a different season. And it's okay. 
So we go through the seasons of life. One of the most significant prayers you can pray is this, God, would you give me the anointing of the sons of Issachar that I may be able to discern, Lord, what are you doing? God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying for me over my life? That some of you are in a season of singleness where God's like, don't worry. This is the season that you are in. And if you will cooperate with me and if you will wait on me, I will provide for you. I will give you that desire and that dream in your heart because it aligns with me. It's just not your season just yet. Will you trust me? Here's the idea. Time reveals significant things about God. Where I'm from in the South, I'm from Louisiana, the state of Louisiana, way down South. There are all sorts of cultural things that we do. One of the things that we have is called a parade. A parade um, or we'll do a parade for anything, like in anything. But the biggest and the most well-attended parade is, is around the season of something called Mardi Gras, all right? And so we have these massive Mardi Gras parades. There are big floats that come. There's beads, there's candy, there's all sorts of things that are thrown. Now, here's the thing about a parade is that it has a starting route, it has a beginning, and then it has an end, right? And so, so growing up, going to parades, like you, you've got to time out what part of the parade route you're going to attend? Which part are you going to go to? Because if you're late, you want to kind of go in the middle of the parade route. You don't want to go to the beginning if you're showing up 45 minutes late because you'll miss the whole parade because timing matters. And so that parade route, it, from your perspective, you see like the floats going by. It's awesome. And so, so, so God, this is why time is important because you've got to remember this, that God does not live in time. He exists outside of time, but he carries out his functions in time. He actually uses time as a tool. So God, it's like he sits above the whole parade route. He can see the beginning while simultaneously looking at the middle and knowing where the end is going to occur. So here's why one of the many reasons why he can be trusted is the Bible tells us this. He stands at the end of our lives and he speaks to the beginning. So he takes his word and voices in your life and he says, go right. No, 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 go left because I can see and I know the destination of where you need to be. And it may not make sense to you in the middle because the middle is always messy. Come on, somebody. But I know the end from the very beginning. God uses time. I'm going to speak prophetically to some of you who have been frustrated because of the timing of God. And I need to encourage you to lay that down this morning and instead to partner with God and instead to say, Lord, I trust you and I even trust your timing. Well, I think I should be here or this should have occurred by now, Lord Jesus. Why is this such a big deal? Because it speaks to a larger issue in our lives, in our hearts. We cannot fully love him to the degree that he has called us to love him without trusting him fully. These two things are side by side. Amen? 
So what's the, what's the big idea for this morning? I don't know about you guys, but our church at Zeal Church, we, we say, listen, we, we do bottom shelf around here. There should be no reason for you to walk away from this message today, to walk away from a Sunday and say, well, I wonder what I'm supposed to do with that. No, 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 no. We keep it on the bottom shelf where everybody can understand. The bottom shelf where everybody can reach and say, okay, that's what I'm got. This is how I'm going to live my life differently this week. And so here we go. So, so number one, here's what I need you to do. Here's the call to action this morning. I need you to make an intentional decision right now in your spirit. Number one, I need you to resolve that God's purposes will prevail in your life, that the purposes of God are going to prevail in your life. You may have messed up. You may have made some mistakes. You may have not done everything perfectly. It's okay. But there needs to be this inward resolve based on God's character, based on the nature of God, that you know what? God's purposes are going to go forth and be established in my life no matter what. Resolve that God's purposes will prevail. My daughter is very inquisitive, my oldest daughter. All my children are, especially my oldest daughter. Her name is Ryan. She's nine years old now. She's a little bit younger, and we were going through animal sounds, right? Sounds like fun, all right? So we're like, you know, what, song, what sound does like a dog make? And she would ask me, and I'm like, ruff, 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 you know, like, Daddy, what sound does a, what sound does a cat make? Uh, the worship team can come. Uh, what, song does, uh, what sound does a cat make? I'm like, meow, meow. Whatever, and then she goes, Daddy, what sound does um, pe- a, a peacock make? And I'm like, <laughs> and so I did what any sane American would do. I hopped on Facebook and like I typed and like messaged. I put in my status like, Hey, somebody, anybody, everywhere. I'm like, what sound does like a peacock make? <laughs> there was all sorts of responses. And I did that. I was like, hold on, baby. Like, I'll get back with you. Because I wanted to avoid those three words that oftentimes bring such embarrassment to us unnecessarily. Those three words that hardly any of us really like to admit in any season, but especially in challenging seasons, which are I don't know. Why aren't you married yet? I don't know. Why didn't your marriage work out? I don't know. Why aren't you healed yet? I, I don't know. Why haven't, you, why haven't you finished that educational goal or career that you set years ago that we've been hearing you talk about? I, I don't know. Why aren't your kids safe yet? Like, haven't you been praying for them like for years? Like, haven't you served God? I, I don't know. Why'd that happen in your life? Like, weren't things supposed to go right? Like, haven't you done things, like, really well? Like, why, why'd that happen in your family? Why, why is that happening right now in your household? I don't know! How was that person able to violate you? second thing I want to challenge you to do is this church number two I need you to release the I don't know moments to the Lord 
I don't know what your I don't know moment was, but I know you have at least one because we're all human and you don't have to pretend here. You don't have to wear spiritual masks on top of the physical mask that you're wearing. Take off that spiritual mask and really take that moment of I don't know. I don't know why I was abused. I don't know why they said that to me. I don't know why I lost that job. I don't know why that career opportunity hasn't opened up yet. I don't know why this ministry door hasn't opened. I don't know why I failed at that. I don't know. I need you to release it to the Lord because whenever you release the I don't know moments there's revelation of healing and wholeness that he begins bringing in your heart like nothing else you can do brings in your heart and in your life I need you to understand this that when you can't trace God's hand you've got to know that you can trust God's heart when you can't trace God's hand what is God? You can trust. You can trust his, his heart. There have been seasons that I have walked through, both me and my wife, where our hearts have been absolutely ripped out and crushed in a hundred different pieces. And I would go to the Lord and be like, God, why did this happen? Like, we did this right. Why are you allowing this to happen? Then God began to teach me the difference in loving his will and loving his way. We all want the will of God. But oftentimes we don't want the way of God. And before you throw stones of condemnation, please know that you're in good company because Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane wanted the will of God, but he didn't want it God's way. Do we read the Bible? Father, if there be any other, and this is the position we oftentimes find ourselves in whenever we're walking with Jesus for real, like, God, is there, an, is there another, is there another way, like, that was just so painful, like, God, that was just so, it seems so unnecessarily confusing, like, God, that really hurt, like, I really love that person, or I thought that person loved me, or that opportunity, or, or whatever, God, it was supposed to work out, is there not another way? And God says, do you love your way over my way? Because I stand at the end, and I speak to the beginning. And so while it may feel very confusing and it may feel very stressful right now, I know what I'm doing because I know where I've got to get you in order for the anointing to increase on your life. I know where I've got to get you in order for you to impact other people. I know what you've got to go through. I know what I've got to allow you to walk through. I know the feelings that you need to feel. I know the rejection that you need to feel in order that you would never reject someone else. I know what you need. You've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. And how do you know if you trust him unless you come to an opportunity where you can choose not to and say, God, I want to go my own way. I love you, but I think there's a better way, Jesus. And he says, yeah, that's exactly what I'm after. That thing in you that thinks that you, you would never say it to anyone else, but that thing on the inside of you that says, I think I know better You'd never say it verbally, but your actions are screaming a different reality. 
And I'm talking about people who love Jesus. <laughs> because we're all in process, church. We're all in this together maturing and growing in our knowledge of God and in our experience of God it's not all just lifting up our hands speaking in tongues and singing great songs it's about in the valley saying God I trust you for real I'll throw up my hands right here in the valley and say God I trust you so whether you come through or whether you don't come through if you I know you will but even if you chose not to so Joe comes to a place of saying no he enslaved me Yet will I trust him. Yet will I bless him. I will continue. I will go on with you. No matter what it feels like. No matter what it looks like. Because I found you to be trustworthy. You're worth my adoration. He's worth your adoration. He's worth your worship. But did you know he's worth your trust? He's proven himself to be trustworthy and so I'm speaking to people who in your spirits today I see in the spirit where you've had a rock in your hand and again you would never voice it but the rock in your hand you actually want to throw it at God and he's saying I love you too much that doesn't surprise him that doesn't it doesn't he God doesn't cancel people we cancel people. It's not the culture of the kingdom to kill. So he says, I'm not canceling you. Don't cancel me. I see that rock in your hand and you want to hurl it towards me, your father. But my love is greater. I'll never reject you. I'll never turn you away. I can handle your questions. I can handle your frustrations. I just need you to have a resolve on the inside that says, God, I still have questions. I got questions, but God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you for real. And I release this, I don't know, moment to you. I just give it over to you today, Jesus. When you can't trace his hand, trust his heart, church, because he's proven himself to be faithful. And then lastly, resolve that God's purposes will prevail. Release that I don't know moment to the Lord. And thirdly, I need you to rest in the mystery of God. Know this, if you can understand everything about your God, I don't know what God that you're worshiping because my God is unfathomable. It takes a lifetime. After a lifetime, we're still, it's just a drop in the bucket. We're at an ocean of his knowledge. There's an ocean of the knowledge of God. And after a lifetime, we've got a teaspoonful. But the word of God tells us this. Whenever we stand before him, whenever we step into eternity, Paul wrote and said, and then we shall know him to the degree that he knows us. There's a day that is coming. It's not here yet where we're going to fully know him and fully understand him. That day is not now. So I need you to make a decision. I'm going to rest. It's a mystery that comforts me. It doesn't confuse me. I don't understand it. Oh, I don't understand everything about him. But I'm giving my life to him. It's the internal, seemingly contradiction of our faith. And we've got to be okay with it. Rest in the mystery of God. In the Old Testament, of the tabernacle, 
That was God's little mailbox on earth. It was God's apartment. It was called the tabernacle, Old Testament, the tent of meeting that Moses was instructed to build this tabernacle. And a part of this tabernacle, there was the outer court, there was the inner court, and then there was the holy of holies or the most holy place. And in the most holy place, there was something called the Ark of the Covenant. It was this little box. It was this God box. And there was angels with their, their, their wings would touch at the top and it was overlaid with gold. And it was this magnificent magnificent beautiful and it had it was so significant everything but 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 it but but th- th- there was only one person the high priest who was able to go into the holy of holies only one time a year so can you imagine if you got selected if you were born into that family of being the priest that that one time of year and it was your first time you're like all right i'm about to do this i'm about to go into the holy of holies i'm about to see god i'm about to experience god like that's where he is and he would get into the holy of holies And the veil open and he'd go in and he's getting to see something that nobody else in the nation ever gets to see. And he's looking and he looks high and he looks low. And what does he see? Nothing. Air. It's almost like God was telling us from the very beginning, there's a level to me that is just mysterious. You're never gonna figure all of me out. Just whenever you think you've got me all figured out, just whenever you think you know how I'm going to show up, there I go again and I step in in another way and I open up a door and I create a way. Streams in the wilderness, rivers in a valley. Come on somebody, this is who our God is. When we're in the journey, Stand to your feet, everybody. Here's what I need to know this morning. I just need to know who God would have me to walk through the various seasons in my life. You can't, Pastor James and Kate will know this. Preachers, there's some messages that you carry and you went through hell to be able to preach that message. I just need to know who was it because just like you whenever you come out of the season that you are in you will realize oh this was for God's glory so that I can encourage someone else like the Bible says strengthen others I'm gonna strengthen you and then I want you to strengthen or comfort your brothers and sisters in Christ I just need to know this morning who is it that's walked through some I don't know moments and you've been holding on to it and you're ready to release it this morning. We don't have a lot of time, so on the count of three, if that's you, I just want you to come down to this altar because I believe that there's breakthrough. I believe that there's revelation. I believe there's healing. Here we go, one, two, three. Come on, just begin to move this morning because there's an oil. There's an oil. He's known as the balm of Gilead. And I don't care how deep or how intense it is, maybe somebody else will look at what you went through And they're like, that's no big deal. I need you to know, if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. Come on, I want the prayer team to start praying and ministering to people this morning. Here's what I need you to resolve this morning. God, I give my I don't know moment to you. God, I trust you. God, in the middle of the hurt and the pain, I say I still want you. You're still worthy. You're worthy of my trust. You're worthy. Come on, just lay it down. 
May he wave over your life. Ma'am, he is waving over your life. I see the angels of the Lord with the banners of victory saying you will come out of this. You will come out of this. This is not your end. The Lord would say this is not the end of the story. There's not a period here. There's a comma. It's a comma. It's a semicolon at best. It's not over. It's not over. The devil's lied to you. He's told you that it's over. It's not over. God's not finished. Sons and daughters of victory. Victory is your inheritance. Victory is your heritage. Victory is your legacy. He's never lost a battle. Never. Come on, worship team. Just lead us in a few minutes of victory. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Come on, worship Him. Come on, worship Him. Come on, worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. God of my future. You are my story. You hold it all together. doing something real powerful here it's wonderful but I just want to speak to some people online maybe in the room you know there's so many things in this life that we don't know why I, I, that's that's that is my life so many things that happened to me I don't know why but I just began to trust in God but there is one thing that I definitely know why there's one thing for sure that I, I really know why and it's why Jesus died on the cross. I know why. It's, it's clear. It's written in his word. You know why Jesus chose to come down to this earth, humanity, put flesh on eternity. 
go to a cross, willingly die, but then rise from the grave, resurrected, glorious. Do you know why he did that? Because he loves you and I so much. And the sin that we have in our life, the Bible's so clear, that the sin that we have has separated us from God. And in order for us to get to God, we can't get there through our good works. We can't get there through giving money to church. We can't get there by just being nice to someone as good as all those things are. The only way we can get there is by humbly coming before Jesus and acknowledging what he did on the cross and that he rose victorious from the grave and asking him to forgive us of our sins. That's the only way. Some people are like, well, why, why would God do that? It's because he loves you so much. It's irrational, but that is our God. And today, maybe you're in this room and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before, to come before him and humbly ask him to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you're here, you've done this a long time ago, but life happened and you walked away from God. I'm not asking if you had a bad week or a bad month. We, we've all gone through those times. I'm asking you, you know you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're watching online right now. You're listening to this later on in the podcast, and you're thinking, that's me. That's me. I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I want to give you a chance to respond, not to this church, definitely not to me, but to respond to Jesus. Could you all just close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment? You do the same thing if you're watching right now. And if you're saying, James, that's me, I'm that first person, I've never done this before. Or you're saying, James, I'm that second person, I did this a long time ago, but I walked away. There was a little bit too many I don't knows, but I just realized today it doesn't matter if I don't know, because what matters is I know God. You're saying, that's, that's me, James. I want to pray a prayer, ask Jesus into my heart today on the count of three. I want you to lift your hands nice and high because I want to pray with you. One, two, three. Right now, all over this room, you lift your hands. Awesome. Hands here in the front, in the front, in the middle, on the side. Here in the front, over on the side. A few hands up in the back corner, up in the other back corner. A bunch of hands up there, up on the side. Thank you, Jesus. Up in the very back. Thank you, Lord. Over here on the other side. If you lifted your hand, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand on your heart. Right now, if you lifted your hand. If you're online... And you want to pray this prayer with me, you put your hand on your heart too. We're all going to pray this prayer together. It's a simple prayer that reflects what the Apostle Paul wrote. In Romans chapter 10, he said that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So we're going to pray this prayer together. So come on, everyone, let's repeat this. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, but you defeated the grave and you rose victorious. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise for every person? Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.